Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips, and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Zande Linare, and today I'll be talking to you about alternative splicing and its importance in biology. If, like me, you need to brush up on your alternative splicing knowledge, then look no further. We're here to help with our guide on the splicing mechanism. But before we get stuck in, let's start with some background information. Let's first talk about the central dogma of protein synthesis. We know that an organism's genetic information is stored in its genes, the functional subunits of the genome. Genes are arranged in the strands of the DNA double helix in the nucleus of cells. We also know that this information is transcribed from DNA into a messenger RNA or mRNA template in a process called transcription. As the name suggests, this mRNA template then acts as a messenger to synthesize proteins in a process called translation. This is the first part of what is generally known as the central dogma of molecular biology, which was first described by Francis Crick in 1958. But as you probably know by now, biology is never that simple. After uncovering the general mechanisms behind protein synthesis, it was later discovered that in viruses, some non-coding mRNA coding sequences, known as introns, need to be removed or spliced out from the final mRNA molecule before it can be translated into protein. Removal of these introns leaves only the protein-coding regions, called exons, which must be joined by RNA splicing to produce mature mRNA to allow for the translation of a functional protein. These findings were later extended to other organisms, including eukaryotes. As a quick summary, most genes in higher eukaryotes are transcribed as pre-mRNA, which contains non-coding and coding regions known as introns and exons, respectively. In a process mediated by the spliceosome, introns are removed while exons remain to give a final, mature mRNA sequence. If you're anything like me, I always find the terminology here very confusing. I would have expected introns to be kept in the sequence and exons to exit the scene, but that would be too obvious. Here's a good mnemonic to help keep you right. Exons are expressed in the final mRNA, while introns are in the trash, and therefore not in the mature mRNA. Okay, let's get into the nitty-gritty. How was alternative splicing discovered? RNA splicing was discovered in the 1970s, first in viruses and then in eukaryotes. Soon after, scientists discovered alternative patterns of pre-mRNA splicing that produced different mature mRNAs containing various combinations of exons from a single precursor mRNA. Therefore, alternative splicing, a type of post-transcriptional modification, is the process by which exons or portions of exons or non-coding regions within a pre-mRNA transcript are differentially joined or skipped, resulting in multiple protein isoforms being encoded by a single gene. As a result, alternative splicing increases the complexity of the proteome that can be generated from the available genome sequences. The first example of alternative splicing of a cellular genome in eukaryotes was identified in the IgM gene, a member of the immunoglobulin superfamily. This splicing mechanism increases the informational diversity and functional capacity of a gene during post-transcriptional processing and provides an opportunity for gene regulation. You can find a link to a figure explaining alternative splicing and the diversity it can generate in the episode notes. Still with me? Great. So what's the point of alternative splicing? Well, it plays a crucial role in generating biological complexity and proteomic diversity in humans and significantly affects various functions in cellular processes, tissue specificity, developmental states and disease conditions. Because it's important in many biological mechanisms, 
and is required to regulate normal physiological functions, it is vulnerable to dysregulation. As a result, alternative splicing is often involved in human diseases like cancer, as well as aging. In molecular biology, a cis-acting regulatory element is defined as a region of chromosomal DNA that regulates the transcription or expression of a gene that is found on the same chromosome. A transacting regulatory element, on the other hand, is a protein that binds to a cis-acting element of a specific gene to regulate its transcription. As a result, cis-acting regulatory elements in pre-mRNA sequences determine which exons are retained and which exons are spliced out. These elements alter splicing by binding different transacting protein factors such as serine arginine-rich proteins, which function as splicing facilitators, and heterogeneous nucleoribonucleoproteins, or HNRNPs, which suppress splicing. Silencing can be inhibited sterically when splicing inhibitors bind to splicing silencers that are found near splicing enhancers. This prevents the binding of small ribonuclear proteins, or SNRNPs, and other activated proteins, or prevents spliceosome assembly. The inclusion or splicing of an alternative exon is therefore determined by combinatorial effects, cellular abundance, and competitive binding between SR activators and H and HNRNP inhibitors. Alternative splicing outcomes depend on the stoichiometry and interactions of splicing activators and inhibitors, as well as the steric conformation and accessibility of the splicing sites. So why is alternative splicing important? On average, human transcripts contain approximately nine introns. This relates to several hundred thousand introns across the genome, which take up 25% of the DNA content of each cell. Importantly, Alternative splicing has been associated with approximately 15% of hereditary diseases and cancers in humans. Advances in high-throughput technologies, including next-generation RNA and DNA sequencing, have facilitated studies in genome-wide alternative splicing. These studies estimate that over 95% of human multi-exon genes express multiple splice isoforms. Alternative splicing events are differentially regulated across different tissues and during development, as well as among individuals and populations. This suggests that individual isoforms may serve specific spatial or temporal roles. Now let's talk about CD44 as an example of alternative splicing. Several alternatively spliced genes are known to be involved in immunity. Studies indicate that alternative splicing of CD44, a protein involved in T-cell homing with 10 variable cassette exons in 6 distinct protein isoforms, is crucial for T-cell function. The variable exons of CD44 encode portions of the membrane proximal extracellular domain of the protein, and the presence of some of the variable exons has been shown to increase the association of CD44 with various proteins. Isoform expression is activation-dependent. This allows naive T-cells to express the smallest CD44 isoform, which lacks all variable exons. In comparison, activated T-cells express multiple CD44 isoforms, thereby suggesting that CD44 alternative splicing is important for activation. Alternative splicing summarized. The scope and role of this vital regulatory mechanism still requires investigation on a genome-wide scale. It is now clear that alternative splicing is more widespread and complex than was initially thought. In addition, the role of alternative splicing in different human pathologies is also being revealed. As a result, improving our understanding of the mechanisms behind alternative splicing will present exciting opportunities for therapeutic development. Check out our companion article, which you can find linked in this article or in the episode notes, for more on what alternative splicing means for your experiments.
So that's it for this article on alternative splicing and its biological significance. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your benchside. Get ready to take your CRISPR research to the next level with CRISPR Unedited, the podcast that brings together experts from around the world to share practical knowledge and helpful advice. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Adamson, manager of the Genome Editing Core Facility at the University of Manchester. This engaging and energetic series will keep you up to date with the latest CRISPR technologies and inspire you on your research journey. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts. Search CRISPR unedited in your podcast app to tune in and unlock the full potential of CRISPR.